Good morning, good morning. How are we doing today? Good, good. All right, we're going to need some interaction today because it's so stinking dark outside. We haven't seen that in a while, have we? Man, it's been a beautiful summer and early fall, but we get some rain this morning. That's a nice thing. Welcome to everyone in the venue. Welcome to everyone watching online at Carney You Free and here in the auditorium, CarneyFree.com, that is. Uh, my name is Adrian, and I'm one of the pastors here at this church. Great to be with you this morning. Um, I think that's the first time anyone's ever messed with my voice like that, the way Cody did. Cool announcements, kind of. You know, did, did you watch that video that he just put up there? People serving? What did you see on their faces? You saw joy, right? This is a great place to serve. And it, I tell you what, uh, one of the most difficult things that has occurred with COVID over the past seven months, at least in my field, in the church, is we now have to repopulate everything, including all of our ministries. And so I, I just want to take a moment and reiterate what Cody said. Thank you for hundreds of you who serve someplace here on Sunday morning or some other place to, during the week for our church and through our church to, to the community. Thank you so much for, for your service. We can't do it without you. And if you don't yet have a service, guess what? You came on the right day. If you, if you haven't yet joined the mission at Carnegie Free, really, really encourage you to consider that even today. Right through the garage door, you'll see some opportunities as well with kids ministries right now. There's opportunities to, to lead life groups, to, to help out with ushers and greeters, help out over in the storehouse, community engagement to our neighborhoods and this broader community. But please consider that we get so much more out of church when we give to our church. And God, as we talked about here last Sunday, as Cody kind of did that little mashup, God blessed us with wonderful gifts. Blessed you. This is a super talented church. I look over this church, it's a super talented church. Blessed us with various gifts, various talents that they would be used to build up uh, Christ's body. So thanks for your consideration of that. Hey, we are in 1 Peter chapter 4. If you want to turn there with me, it's in the pressure cooker. Continuing on well with this message series in the pressure cooker. And I thought it would just be beneficial here for a moment this morning to review where we've been in the pressure cooker and principally a few different themes that Peter reiterates again and again in this letter that we've seen repeatedly over these past four chapters. These themes that you see in 1 Peter apply to his first century audience back in Asia Minor, first century Turkey, just as they do in a great way to us. As for me, I feel like this letter could have been written to us in 2020. It is so spot on for right where we're living right now. Here's a few themes that, that Peter's been hitting on again and again. The first one is this, your behavior flows from your identity. And so many people do behavior modification with themselves, behavior modification well, with their kids, and inevitably that doesn't work because we're not Pavlov's dogs. We're people. And behaviorism by itself doesn't work. What we need is cognitive and spiritual regeneration. And that comes out of understanding and living out what our true identity is in Christ. When you understand that the centerpiece of who you are is a child of God bought with the price of Christ's precious blood, that changes everything, okay? Behavior flows out of identity. Second, we are God's people, but we will suffer. Newsflash, right? You know that? It's coming to all of us. It's no sign of God's anger at you. God's people will suffer. 
And number three, regardless of whatever suffering we experience, Peter hits on this again and again, our response is resolute. We will choose holiness before God. We'll choose to live the way he wants us to live, seek to align our lives with all of his word all the time, holiness before God, and we will choose love toward others. Even if we experience suffering from others, which we'll be talking about a fair bit today, suffering from others, either way, our response is love toward them. Amen? Okay, these are three key themes that we see again and again. And Peter's really going to drill down in that second theme. You are God's people, but you need to expect to suffer. Uh, One of my favorite musical artists, along with my boys, is a rapper by the name of Lecrae. And uh, raise your hand if you know Lecrae. Okay, all the people under 30 raised their hand. Okay. Um, Lecrae is such an awesome musical artist. He's like an elite musical artist, elite songwriter, while at the same time being totally sold out for Christ. It's a rare combination. And so we like to listen to his music together, and the boys have basically memorized his raps, and so they'll be singing them as we're listening to Lecrae, and I'm jamming over there on the side, doing my gig, and the boys start laughing at me and getting embarrassed and telling me to stop, and I just keep going, because I'm a dad, and dad's job is to embarrass the boys. So, I'm pretty good at that. But one of, the best, one of his best songs, come on back, Adrian. <laughs> one of Lecrae's best songs, in my opinion, is I'll Find You. And I'll Find You has this line. They say, don't get bitter, get better. I'm working on switching them letters. Tell God I'm going to need a whole lot of help keeping it together. Friends, that's it. That's what we're talking about here today. You're gonna be faced, perhaps you're faced with a singular choice today. In response to suffering, am I going to get bitter or better? And I'm gonna need a whole lot of help from God keeping it together. That's our singular choice. And what Peter's gonna do in this letter is communicate a number of common responses, ordinary, very natural, totally understandable human responses to suffering, and as ordinary as they are, they will lead to bitterness. I hear you. Thank you for hearing me. And then a couple other possible responses that are supernatural responses that we cannot respond with to suffering on our own outside of the Holy Spirit's help. But if we choose to respond these ways, which we'll talk about here today, these supernatural ways in response to the suffering that we experience, we won't get bitter, we'll get better. So with that said, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 to 19, hopefully you're already there. If you're not there, look it up in your table of contents and you'll get right there, it's in the back of the Bible. Uh, You might have a Bible app as well, you can also follow along on the screen. By the way, if you've come here today and you don't have a Bible, we have a Bible here for you as our gift to you. You just go out to the information table, there's a bunch of Bibles there you're welcome to have. We'd encourage you to bring your Bibles to church on Sunday. I know kinda out of that habit as a church and as a culture, and it's okay if you use an app, that's just fine. Um, But there's something about writing in your Bible. Some about going back to the scriptures and, and, and seeing the way it's impacted you in the past. So I encourage you to consider that. And um, again, if you don't have a Bible, we have one out of the information table as our gift to you. And if you're new here, you have any questions about the church, you can go out to the information table as well. All right, verse 12. 
Dear friends, chapter 4, 1 Peter. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Do you remember what the fiery ordeal was that this audience was dealing with? Emperor Nero unleashes the greatest persecution on the Christian church in history to this day. And he crucifies Peter upside down in just a couple years. And he turns many Christians in the Roman Empire into Roman candles. And Peter says, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. And we won't get into this much here today, but another message for another day is that much suffering comes from the wrong things though that we've done. Today we'll talk about other kind of suffering that has nothing to do with the things that we've done, but sometimes it comes from our own sinful choices. We all know that. However, verse 16, if you suffer as a Christian, don't be ashamed of that, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household, and if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Let's pray. Lord, this is a thick and complex word that applies to each and every one of us in the room, every one of us in the venue today, every one of us watching online. We all suffer. And sometimes we suffer from our own decisions and other times we suffer just because we've been doing good, just because we're seeking to stand for the cause of Christ. And when we do, we recognize there is a great temptation to get bitter. And so, Father, we ask for your help today. We pray that you would clear our minds and enable us to be right here in this moment and to hear from your word. Your word is life-giving for us. Your word is reliable. It's a double-edged sword. Please teach us through your word. We invite you even now, God, do your work in us. In Christ's name we ask. Amen. What we've been doing in this letter of 1 Peter is trying to study the Bible for all, of it, all it's worth to do this basic soap method of biblical study, scripture, observation, application, and prayer. And when you're doing observation of the scriptures, first you begin with a small section, and then you observe the scriptures. And a couple of things that we've been encouraging you to do as you observe passages is to look at what are the prohibitions that God gives? What are the commands that God gives from this passage? What are the repeated ideas that God gives from this passage? And so let's look at a couple of those. Uh, Peter's going to give us two natural responses to suffering, 
And the two natural responses to suffering that he's going to note in this passage, very natural responses from all of us, are surprise and shame. Two natural responses, suffering comes, and I feel first surprise and second shame. Look at verse 12 and we'll see the first response. Dear friends, here's a prohibition. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you. Don't be surprised by the suffering that has come to you. This is a great word for us because oftentimes we go through periods of suffering and the most natural response is, why me? We all feel that from time to time. Why do I have to go through this? Like, I've been living for God. I'm seeking to do what is right. I'm seeking to be a good person. I'm seeking to stand for Christ. I sought to raise my kids the best way that I knew how, and my kids have slowly drifted away. I've sought to love my neighbors and even tell them about the hope that we have in Jesus Christ our Lord, and now they won't talk to me. I've sought to stand for what I know to be right sexually. And now people gossip about me. Why me, God? Why am I getting this? And it's this response of surprise that I am going through this time of suffering, that people would be surprised that we go through trials. Why me? Now, the other prohibition, though, that Peter gives is down in verse 16. It's natural, though, that we would say, why me? But a similar prohibition in verse 16 relates to, woe is me. Okay, verse 16 says, however, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be, what does it say? Do not be ashamed. So the prohibition here is, don't feel shame because of your suffering, We have these two very natural responses to suffering. One is surprise, why am I going through this? And the other one is shame, woe is me. You ever had the experience in suffering that you're going through a difficult time and you see a bunch of people and you don't want those people to know that you're going through a difficult time? And so you get what's called droopy head syndrome. I don't want anyone to look in my eyes and see that I'm going through a hard time. And sadly, we can bring that even to church Like when I come to church, I gotta have my Sunday best on and a big, big smile on my face and act like I have it all together. No, you don't. The church should be the very place where it's okay to say I'm not okay. Like we all understand biblically that none of us is all right on our own. We understand biblically that all of us fall short of the glory of God and all of us needs God's help each and every day. Church should be the very place where it's okay to admit I don't have my stuff together. But sadly, oftentimes it's not. And then on top of that, well, we live in this culture now which is increasingly shaming people. It's really interesting, well, what's changed in the United States even over the past 10, 15 years. United States historically is kind of a guilt-based culture. Most Western nations are. Many Eastern nations like India and Japan and even Israel, the time of Jesus, were more shame and honor-based nations. And so shame frequently comes out of those cultures. Shame traditionally has not been a big thing in the United States until recently, the past 10 or 15 years, it's like on fire. 
It's incredible. You go on to social media and you see it all the time that people are on the social media hot seat that they said one thing wrong and they are being shamed, right? This whole idea of cancel culture, which we're going to talk a whole lot about in 2021, cancel culture, this new phenomenon, I think it goes on on both sides, left and right, that someone says something that's considered politically incorrect, one thing wrong, and they are shamed. Like no one's allowed to be in process. What's up with that? We're all in process. And so Peter says, don't be ashamed that you're struggling. It's normal that you're struggling. In fact, he says even in verse 14, if you are insulted, if someone shames you, they insult you because of the name of Christ, you're actually blessed. You're blessed. Now the truth is when we experience shame or we experience surprise in response to suffering and you do again and again, outside of a robust relationship with Christ and outside of a couple other friends that are walking this journey with you in the same direction toward Christ, what's going to happen is bitterness. If you try to do it alone and you deal with shame and surprise related to suffering by yourself on a consistent basis, well what's gonna occur in your soul is bitterness. And so we just remind ourselves, if we're insulted because of the name of Christ, stand a little bit taller. Because as Jesus says again and again, we are blessed uh, through those insults. Nobody can cast any any condemnation against you. If you're in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation for you, right? I mean, Romans 8.1, we have to tell ourselves these things again and again. And I have to tell myself this again and again as well, because it gets into my bones also. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, There's no shame for those who are in Christ Jesus. We're freed from all of that. We need to preach the gospel to ourselves, particularly in the midst of suffering, lest bitterness get a root inside our hearts. Now these are just two, again, very, very natural responses to suffering. I'm not shaming anyone for those responses. It's normal, it's natural if you feel that. But I want to talk with you now about a couple supernatural responses to suffering that would come to us as we truly yield our hearts, we we yield our souls to the Holy Spirit every day, and as we respond to our suffering in a little different manner, God is able to do some things in us to get rid of the bitterness and to make us better through it. So here's two supernatural responses to suffering. They are joy and worship. This requires the Holy Spirit that we would respond to our suffering with joy or worship. But this is exactly what Peter calls us to. Look again at your scriptures. Verse 13, actually verse 12. Do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come to you. And then he gives this contrast statement. But, instead, circle the word but, then circle the word rejoice. Don't be surprised that this fiery ordeal has come on you, but instead rejoice. Because inasmuch as you are suffering, you are experiencing the same thing that Christ himself experienced. And when we experience insults and suffering, that gives us an opportunity to identify with Christ all the more. And to experience his kindness and his mercy to us in the midst of that suffering such that we would actually become more and more like Christ and have a greater ability to cope with whatever pain that we go through because we realized he went through far more than I'll ever go through. He was the 
just one who was treated unjustly and the entirety of his life, the entirety of the end of his life was a experience of injustice from the state and he came out of it and he rejoiced all the more as he was the suffering servant for us. And so we get to identify with him as we likewise suffer for his name. Suffering is an opportunity to identify with Christ who lived a life of unjust suffering. We could even praise God in the midst of that suffering. Oh, I'm going through pain? Rejoice. I can identify with you, Jesus. Even praise you in this. Verse 16, again, the contrast, the command here. If you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed. That's the prohibition. Instead, here's the command, but praise God. Praise God instead, because you bear his name. Man, I want to be like Peter when I grow up. I'm going to praise God instead because I bear the name of Christ. And I realize that through suffering, God would bring some things into our lives. We all know this. That can't be had any other way. Suffering is the greatest schoolmaster. Suffering is the schoolmaster that teaches us to persevere. Suffering is frequently the schoolmaster that teaches us to pray. It's frequently the schoolmaster that grows us in character, that grows us in the ability to have perseverance long-term, that, that grows us in hope. That though I'm going through this tough time right now, God is with me and he's for me and he won't leave me and I'll get through it and on the other side I'll become more and more like Jesus. The Apostle Paul said the same thing over in Philippians chapter 3. He said, I want to know Christ, and I want to know the power of his resurrection. And I don't know about you, I, I, I kind of want Paul just to stop right there. Like, yeah, I'll have some of that. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, period. But he doesn't stop there, does he? I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the, what does he say? Participation in his suffering. The fellowship of sharing in his suffering with him becoming like him even in his death. Once again, it's through the experience of suffering, specifically for the cause of Christ, that we are frequently refined to become what we could never become on our own. Let me give you an example of intense suffering and how we would bear up under it in a modern example, very much like Peter's original audience. It comes from the pressure cooker, actually, of the nation of Turkey, who Peter is writing to here. We support a couple missionaries in Turkey, dear friends of ours who have been serving there for 10 or 11 years now. A hundred years ago in the nation of Turkey, 20% of Turkish folks were Christians. Today, in 2020, 0.2% of the population is Christian. From 20% to two out of a thousand. Intense persecution that they've experienced over the past century a number of different factors, incredible secular humanism combined with militant Islam in that country has effectively squelched Christianity from a region of the world where Christianity was really born. We get the pleasure of supporting a number of missionaries around the world, including these couple in uh, Turkey who are good friends, and we get updates from them on a regular basis. 
They spent probably their first seven or eight years in ministry just planting seeds for the gospel of Jesus Christ, doing loving good, loving good deeds for their neighbors, watering those seeds, seeking to share the gospel of Jesus, but seeing almost no ministry fruit. That's how hard the gospel ground was. Now, over the past few years, that's begun to change. And part of the reason that it's begun to change is because there's been this huge influx of refugees into Turkey from Afghanistan and Syria and Iraq, war-torn areas, and they've come into Turkey. And it's when you're in this place of greatest suffering that you realize, I need hope in my life. And refugees are in the place of greatest suffering, and so they frequently are more open to, to the hope of Christ. And um, these two missionaries though, that we support, we'll call them Jim and Kim, have seen a number of Turks come to know the Lord, but also even more, many, many refugees come to know the Lord. One of the greatest stories comes from this man by the name of Sharif, who was a refugee from Afghanistan. And Jim started to get to know him, and Kim started to, to get to know his wife, and she was really interested in a Bible study though, that she was offering. And so she would go to the Bible study well, with Kim and learn far from, her, far from her, but Sharif really didn't want anything to do with that for a while. But he saw that Kim was learning all this about the scriptures, learning all this about Jesus, and so he wanted to understand what she was getting into. And so he asked Jim, did he have a Bible in his own native language, and would they be able to spend some time studying it together? And Jim, as a faithful missionary, of course, said yes. And so they sit down and they begin studying the Bible together and they're working through it and he has lots and lots of questions as a Muslim about the teachings of Jesus, about the death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, all of that, but he does not believe. And they continue on like this and in the midst of it, Sharif's kidneys begin to fail. And he goes on dialysis. And as he's going to dialysis treatments, he learns that his kidneys have failed and he will not live without a kidney transplant. Now, Jim is one of those Christians where he's just like, if the Bible tells me to do it, I'll do it. He's one of those. And so he thinks back to Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus said, if someone you know has two coats and someone else you no, has no coats, and you happen to be the one with two coats, will give to that one who has no coats so there would be equality. And so Jim says, well, I have two kidneys, and it turns out that I only need one. And so he offers his other kidney to Sharif. And Sharif responds, I'm not, not going to become a, a Christian because you give me your kidney. And Jim says, that's okay. I'm not, I'm not giving you my kidney so you become a Christian. The gospel can't be purchased. But I love you, and God loves you, and so I want to care for you. And so he gave him his kidney. And a few months later, we got a number of updates, and Kim told us that doctors and translators at the hospitals have been dumbfounded and Turkish friends were speechless when they heard of the suffering that Jim would endure for Sharif. And one woman said to Kim, Kim, you are a Christian. We're Muslims. We both believe in God. But we would never do anything like that. Where does your love come from? To which Kim happily replied, not from within her. 
We got an update a few months later from Jim and Kim, along with a picture of Jim and Sharif post-surgery. I won't show you their faces, but there they are. Hello, friends. God bless you today. How are you? How is life where you are? Praise God, our Afghan friend, Sharif, who received the kidney from Jim, decided to follow Jesus and asked Jim if he could take a shower. It took a minute, but we figured out that he meant he wanted to be baptized. And this last month, he was baptized in a nearby lake. Hallelujah. Sharif is born again and is regularly studying the Bible with a group, and his body has successfully received the kidney and is healed so quickly. Praise God. Jim is still recovering from the kidney transplant surgery. The doctors say it takes six months to feel normal. Please pray for full recovery for his body. He has a few side effects that we would like to see go away. Praise God for it all. Jim's still suffering a bit from that surgery. And after Sharif took on baptism, he endured insults and threats from Muslim friends. But if you suffer for doing what is right, you'll be blessed. If you suffer for the name of Christ, you'll be blessed. And in the end, Jesus will stand for you. You'll be blessed here in time and you'll be blessed for eternity as you follow the Lord and suffer for doing what is right. Now listen, we don't live in that pressure cooker called Turkey. We don't live in the Muslim world. We're not gonna endure the kinds of things that Sharif is going to endure. We're not gonna endure the kinds of things that Jim and Kim are enduring. But make no mistake, if you are serious about following Christ and you do so in a wholehearted manner, as I've said in here again and again, you step out for Christ, you realize that he gave his all for you, that you would give your all for him, and you choose to do that on a consistent basis, you will endure suffering for that. You just expect it, it is coming. And it's gonna look different ways. Like for some of us here in this room, we could have young couples in this room right now who are contemplating, should we just go ahead and move in together even though we know the Lord doesn't want us to do that? And we choose, we're not going to do that but because we wanna obey the Lord. And as we choose that, we subtly get belittled by our friends. And we become the subject of gossip from our friends. And even our family members tell us, just choose the easier path. And you feel a rejection around that. That's real for many, many people today here in our own context. There might be others today. I can think of 50-year-old men who realize that I've just been playing church for decades. And I've really just been going to church and treating it as a social club but I've never actually repented and fallen on my knees and said, Lord Jesus, would you have your way in me? 100%, I wanna give myself to you. And they realize that they've just been kind of going through the motions, this gospel of me-ism. I'll be all for Christ as long as I can have my comforts all the time. But now you've gone through some kind of conversion in which Jesus has brought you near to him and you realize what's more important is the Bible in the morning than the Dow Jones in the morning. And you realize that God wants all of your hours, not just one hour on Sunday morning, he wants all 168 hours per week. 
And God has given you all of your financial resources. And you say, I want to use my resources for what you actually want done in the world to pursue your kingdom. And best of all, you realize after this conversion experience that other family members and friends who are just plain church the way you used to do also need to hear the true gospel of Jesus Christ, that he is Lord and Savior, that he gave it all up for us, and the only proper response is to give it all up for him. And so you choose to share that well with your friends and family, and subtly they start avoiding you. What do you do with that? You better lean into Christ. You better lean into a few friends. You better understand that this is the moment that I choose to get bitter. Or this is the moment that I choose to get better. Possibly those examples don't resonate with you at all. I personally, if I can just speak personally for a moment, I struggle with plenty of temptations, just like you do. There's no sin which is common to you that's not also common to me. We all struggle with the same stuff. I struggle with some that you don't. One of them that I don't really struggle with, that I haven't over the years, is bitterness. I know many people who are crippled by bitterness. That's just not one that I've really struggled with until 2020. This has been a bomb of a year. And I mean that in the worst way. You know, like, it's just been one hit after another hit. And I have struggled with the temptation to really get bitter towards certain people, towards the situation, sometimes even toward God. Am I allowed to say that? Don't get bitter. Get better. God, I'm going to need a whole lot of help keeping it together. You see, God's got a purpose in our pain. And his purpose in our pain is that we would get better. He has a purpose in our pain to purify us. God has a purpose in our pain to grow us in prayer. God has a purpose in our pain to make us persevere. God has a purpose in our pain to grow us as people of praise and joy no matter what we may be going through. And we recognize that we will not grow in those things through a comfortable, easy life, so God, bring it on. Here's a few application questions to consider. Individually, or with your family, or with your life group, perhaps even though this week. In the pain that I am going through right now, God, is there something that you want to teach me? Do I need to grow in a quality called empathy for other people that are experiencing pain? How would you use this pain to grow me in empathy for others? God, is there a characteristic in me that is subpar, that does not align with the character of Jesus Christ, that doesn't align with the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5? God, how would you use this pain to change me that that characteristic would align more and more with what you want for me? Am I suffering right now because of something that I have done wrong? We haven't talked about it as it relates to this passage, but it says if you suffer because you're a meddler or a thief, you deserve that suffering. Okay, Some of our suffering is because of what we did wrong. 
That's not what we're talking about so specifically today, but it's always worth asking that question. Am I suffering because of some sin in my life that I simply need to repent of and then ask God's forgiveness and he forgives it and we move forward in strength? And Father, how would you use this suffering to draw me to my knees, to draw me nearer to Jesus, that I would experience more of his warmth, more of his love, personally for me in this moment to get me through this time of suffering. Because what Jesus wants for us is not just that we would believe the right things, but that we would experience him as our strong tower, our refuge and our strength in our times of trouble. And he is that who draws us near, particularly through the instrument of suffering. I wonder if you'd pray with me. And we're just going to ask God's help and admit to him that to some degree we get bitter and we want his help to make us better. Would you join me? Father, as I've processed this message last week, I thought it was for certain people in our church. And I pray that it I pray that by your providence and by your grace it would be for some people in this room. But I've realized as I continued through the week that this message is probably even more for me. Because there's been a little bit of bitterness that's grown in my soul. And so Father, I just need to repent of that to you. And ask God that you would have your way in me and you would use my suffering as a time to refine me and make me more like Jesus Christ, my Lord. That's what I want most, is to be more like you and to convey your love to more and more people, God. And if you would use suffering for that, I welcome it. And I want to rejoice in that. I want to give thanks in this circumstance that we're in. I don't know about my friends here in this room, but you may be in that same spot. And I wonder if you would just confess that to God. If you're struggling with bitterness right now, would you be willing as, as people are closing their eyes, would you be willing just to raise your hand and I'd love to just pray for you right now? And the beginning of change is just admitting where we are and then asking God's help. So if that's you, would you just raise your hand and I want to pray for you. Many of us in this room, dozens and dozens of us in this room would be in that spot right now. And Father, we don't want to get bitter. We don't want to stay bitter. The Bible cautions us not to allow any root of bitterness into our souls. And so I pray for my friends who have their arms raised right now or in their hearts right now. They feel like raising their arms, but they're not going to do so. And I ask God that you would help them in this moment. There is a very natural response to get angry and to blame other people or to feel ashamed of the suffering that we experience and we pray against all that. And for my friends, instead, I ask God that you would show them even today what you want to do in their lives through their experience of pain. And you would give them supernatural power right now to let go of anger and bitterness and rage and resentment. And you would do the work for these friends to free them from that. That the root of bitterness would not grow in our souls as it captures us and we get enslaved to it. 
So, Father, help these friends even now. Give them your freedom. Your word says it's for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, don't take on any yoke of slavery again. Set these free. Help them to embrace the pain that they are experiencing now and bring it to your great throne room of grace where they can find grace and mercy to help them in this time of need. Father, for our entire church, we desire to get better through our experiences of suffering. Would you grant us strength to stand in you? We'll be careful. We'll be careful to give you all the glory, all the credit, because we know that we cannot respond this way on our own. It would be a miracle. Give us this miracle of responding to our pain with joy and praise. To God be all glory forever and ever. Amen and amen. Hey, you may feel something right now that you say, I, I, I want to just talk to someone. And uh, we'll have a couple prayer partners up front, or you can go pray quietly in the prayer room. You can sit and you can pray. You can kneel and you can pray. You don't have to stand, you can. But be with God. Respond to God. It's in these moments that we miss opportunities for the Holy Spirit to work in us. Respond to God as he leads you right now. If you need prayer, again, you can go to the prayer room or come on up front and we'll be happy to pray with you.